You are listening to The Millennial, The Man, and Miss Crystal, a podcast ministry of Old Town Community Church. Here are Pastor Phil, Pastor Brian, and Crystal. Hey, thanks for listening to another episode of The Millennial, The Man, and Miss Crystal. We're delighted that you've set aside some time to spend with us. And today uh, is a great day and we have some fun things to talk about. The purpose of this is uh, to give a little uh, escape and humor to everything that's going on, but also to offer some encouragement uh, on behalf of us and on behalf of the church. So I am the millennial for purposes of this podcast. My name is Brian. I'm the associate pastor at OTCC. We are joined by the man, Dr. Philip Fag. That's me, the man. I don't have any elaboration on my introduction this week. We also have uh, Miss Crystal, OTCC's director of operations and Swiss Army knife herself. How are you? <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> and hello, everyone. Well, it's great to be with you all. It's, uh, you know, it's a beautiful day today, and uh, I know a lot of people are looking to get outside. For many of us, we've been spending so much time inside. Uh, I don't know about you all, but I know some devices give updates about screen time that says you spent X amount of hours uh, on your screens this week. I know Apple products do that. I don't have one. Uh, I know you guys do. Have you felt judged by your devices during this quarantine season? just very alarmed. I'm like, I didn't realize I'd spent that much time on my phone. And I'm like, I've been on my computer. Like, I don't do anything on my phone. So considering that, I'm like, I must have excessive screen time. So I, don't, I, I just feel alarmed. And But I never do anything about it. I just look at it and say, oh, okay. And keep it moving. No, I don't feel judged at all by an inanimate object. May we all have that uh, response. See, I, I've been told that these Apple notifications of screen time by several people that they hit on Sunday morning. So hats off to Apple for helping hit people with this conviction of their addictions uh, right before worship so that they can enter worship with a, a posture of honesty, seeking forgiveness uh, for all of those hours spent doing who knows what. Or they choose not to go to worship and still and cut down on their screen time. <laughs> that's, that's a factor I hadn't considered. Uh, but I think those numbers can be deceiving. I know in my household, I am using my phone to play music on Amazon Music many hours a day. Uh, everything from modern hits to throwbacks to lullabies. I am using my phone screen a lot playing music. So I think any figures like that need to be taken with a grain of salt. So Crystal, does that sound like an excuse or an explanation? That sounds like a great explanation because <laughs> I'm going to use that as well. Yes, that's why I have so much screen time um, because of all of the music that I'm like blasting in the background. I love that, Brian. It's definitely an explanation. I've heard people also make the argument and they said, hey, Google Maps is what's really contributing to all of my screen time. Can't really use that excuse right now if you're sitting at home a lot. Now, a metric that I'm very thankful for not existing right now is uh, television screen time counting. To be transparent, the TV in our house is on quite often. Uh, sometimes it's useful things. Sometimes it's not useful things. 
been watching TV shows, news, you know, the NBA finals from 2006 because there's no live sports. A question that has popped into my head in the last week is, you know, imagine if you had to be quarantined with the cast of a TV show. Um, you had to be stuck with them for, let's say, you know, a three-month period indoors. Who might that be? And now if you're someone uh, speaking here to the man and Miss Crystal, or if you're someone listening who just simply doesn't like TV shows, I invite you to consider maybe a news anchor uh, or just TV personality that you're very familiar with. Because when we spend uh, so much time not interacting with other people, but having people on TV talk to and at us, it does kind of feel like we know them. So uh, given all that, who do you feel like you know from television that you would kind of enjoy being quarantined with? Well, I'll start off. Um, so it's a show from the 90s. It's called Living Single. It's a sitcom with four single Black women and how they're navigating life. And like, it was the best show. Queen Latifah, Kim Fields, uh, Kim Sinclair, I think was her name, and Erica Alexander. And it was just like all of the kind of ups and downs of living with your best friends. And so I would love to be in that because that it was like the show for me to watch as I was like coming of age and stuff. So I would be with the living single cast. From a personality standpoint, this is not my final answer. From a personality standpoint, I would probably... I wouldn't mind being quarantined with the cast of uh, Frasier, the sitcom in the, in the 90s. They're just interesting people. But my actual answer is the cast of Downton Abbey. And not for any of the personalities. They just have a really big house with a lot of grounds and horses and dogs and stuff like that. And I would want to be in the, the family and not the people supporting them and working for them. I would want to be able to enjoy all the, uh, of the luxuries of living in, a, in an English castle. I have not seen this show. Uh, it should be on my to-do list because it's such a topic of conversation. But my, my question is, if you were quarantined as a, a royal or whatever in Downton Abbey land, would you accept that with the limitations of their day? Absolutely. I respect that. I think it'd be challenging for like a, you know, a week to 10 days, but then it would transition to being a little easier. It was set in, I think, in between the 20s and 30s, if I'm not mistaken. And so they do have a couple really cool older automobiles, but I definitely think I would uh, do that. I've thought long and hard about this for a whole week, to be frank. And there's a couple people, you know, when it comes to news people and sportscasters. There's a few sportscasters I, I really resonate with. Locally, back when I lived in Old Town, I lived a, a block away from FP Santangelo, Nationals broadcaster, friend of Dr. Phil, the man. And, and I felt like I knew him because for you know thousands of hours of my life, I heard him talking and commentating games. And so sometimes I'd pass him and he'd be out taking his trash out. And, and it was weird because if you feel like you know the person very well, but they have no idea who you are. So I would always give him kind of a reserved uh, head nod, which he would return, and it made my day. So there's people like that who I feel connected to, but if I spent time with one person in quarantine, I don't think that that would go well, with the exception of my family, whom I love. Everything's good <laughs> there. But like someone who I don't know, I wouldn't do that. So my answer is the entire cast 
of Modern Family. Modern <laughs> Family is, in my opinion, one of the most brilliantly written shows uh, that I've seen. I definitely did shed a tear during the finale a couple weeks ago. Uh, and the cast is just incredible. And uh, uh, to get more specific, we would be at Jay and Glorious House. It's in sunny Southern California and has a pool and a grill and everything in the backyard. I think I could be entertained for months uh, with the full family there. Okay, may I, may I uh, take this down just one short path? So Modern Family is a sort of a a legendary show, a groundbreaking show in a lot of ways. That, what do you call it, mockumentary or whatever? However, I would say, and this is, I'm, I'm not, a, not, not a TV critic, I would have to say that series finale was a dud of a series finale. It was a two on a scale of one to 10. It was awful. It has been panned by critics universally. So we have Bill's <laughs> impression and then Brian shed a tear. Is that what you said, Brian? Yes, you saw the you saw that the kids grow up, and then at the end, I don't know if you caught this depth, uh, man, but at the when they realized, spoiler alert, that the kids were leaving the house, the parents, Phil and Claire, said, "What are we going to do if they leave?" And Phil or Claire said, "We'll leave the light on; they'll come back." And at the very end of the episode, every it showed every house, and they turned the light off. And then at the end, Phil and Claire turned theirs on because they know their family's going to come back because they care about each other. It was great. It was, it was good. Heavens. There was depth. <laughs> yeah, if you want to call that depth, I'll go with you. I'll, 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 I'll yield. So in 59 minutes of, of mush with one minute of flip the switch depth, Hey, this is a millennial speaking to man here. I do remember watching the end of the finale of Frasier with my parents. Wow. Uh, my, my mom loved Frasier, and I'm pretty sure Kelsey Grammer said something like, I'll miss the coffees, or I'll miss the somethings with the handshake, and broke up and got emotional because while it's being filmed, it is something that does carry the weight of remembering everything that's been put into it. Do you remember what, what that line was from the finale? I don't. I remember the finale of Cheers and MASH. The the finale to MASH, which I know is way... I mean, I, I, I'm not even sure I saw MASH live. I remember seeing reruns of it, although I was old enough. I'm not going to get into it now. Uh, we'll, we'll have a... We'll, maybe we'll keep this debate going through the uh, the podcast, but I'll send you a link of, uh, of top 10 series finales, and I, I guarantee you Modern Family will be be knocking on the outside of that door for a long, long time. Okay, that's fair. I will say I haven't seen that many. Now, the last episode of Frasier, the line was, I will miss the coffees from 2004. So I was you know, really? 13 or 14. I pictured myself younger than that when I remembered it, but that was, that was a good finale. And you remember it. That's incredible. I do. Yeah. I, part of me, and then we can get away from this, it does miss the days where there wasn't such a oversaturation of the streaming market I mean, with television right now we are absolutely drinking from a fire hose with all of these and you know when it was just network television and there was you know, so many less choices um in 20 years from now people it'll be hard to remember certain finales because there's just such a range of shows people are watching yeah i agree with you <clears throat> from that aspect because you know i'll watch a total uh, complete series and I'll be like, oh, it's over. And I won't even remember like two weeks later that I even watched the show. I do appreciate HBO now 
because they still release their shows like you know every week and so i have to wait and anticipate and i appreciate being able to anticipate certain shows and like knowing that i can't binge it all at one time oh yeah and like the OC on Thursday nights, you had to watch that to be relevant for lunchtime discussions on Friday. <laughs> Love the OC. Hey, that's enough about TV though. You know, it's something that does help us fill the time. But on the flip side, I've really enjoyed hearing from people about things they're doing to better themselves or things that they're learning while they're uh, staying home, things that they're intentionally trying to learn. So have you guys had any side projects aside from cooking because everyone's having to cook any side projects you're working on to help come out of this time with a skill you didn't have from the beginning crystal you want to go with this one <laughs> honestly no um, <laughs> i'm not picking up any new skills i feel like i have so many that are like kind of useless at the moment but i mean like I mean, I think a lot of people are doing this now, too, because, like, you know, I used to go and get my hair done at the dry bar every week, or, you know, I would get my hair braided, and I wouldn't have to do it. So I am missing my stylist team. And so I am learning, um, you know, just different things with hairstyles. Um, and this week, I decided that I am um, moving into scarves. I don't have one on today, but... I I will. So I'm experimenting with headscarves. So <laughs> that's the only thing I'm learning. I would also say um, my sister is a Pilates instructor. And so she, from time to time, has gotten on Zoom and done Pilates classes with us. So that has been helpful, like learning more about my body and how it should be moving versus um, how it currently is moving. I think what I am learning new is to be a TV critic. And so let me take my shot at it. What the Modern Family finale ultimately proves is what we've all known for years. The show should have ended years ago when it was better equipped to tie together all these subplots, characters, and themes. Now we're left with an ending that doesn't really want to be an ending. Maybe that's enough the casual family audience, but I have to believe modern viewers demand more. I'll grade it a C plus. No, I'm kidding. I am honored to and not be a critic enough to not like things that a lot of people like, whether it comes to fine wines or television, why do you need to be in an upper echelon to know what uh, other people should not be really enjoying? That's food for thought. So uh, something new, I haven't had time yet, but there are a couple things that I've been kicking around that I would like to um, e either learn or or start again that I used to do. And I'll, I'll save those for if I actually do them. One addition to my weekly routine is I did uh, subscribe to a year of the Atlantic and, uh, and got the app and everything. And it's just, the Atlantic has a little more in-depth articles. They're longer. And so just taking a little more time to read through maybe some of the why, W-H-Y, behind the news, not just the news, if that makes sense. Don't really have a lot to offer. I respect that, and I think that you, you'll follow through with that and read the deeper why. Me, I subscribed to The New Yorker. Uh, Amazon offered it to me for like three months for 99 cents, so heck yeah, I'm going to take that deal. Uh, and I actually sat down with The New Yorker last night, and the articles were so long. I realize I sound like such a millennial. Uh, but one of the features in last night's article uh, in last week's magazine was on Zoom calls and how people are navigating this new world. And I thought, 
I spend my days on multiple Zoom calls. I don't want to have leisure reading about the psychology of them. Um, so then I just flip through some of the cartoons in The New Yorker. I could pass it on to you all if you're interested, but uh, I wasn't wildly captivated. For me, boy, have I been doing something to improve my life. And it's been met with mockery by everyone except my brother-in-law. Uh, thank you, Christian and Boulder, for recognizing that what I'm doing is not wasting my time. And that is learning Celsius. Huh? Yes, you can do the math in your head to calculate what a Fahrenheit number really is as a Celsius number, but I want to know what that number feels like. So on my phone, on the top, I have the Fahrenheit degree. Right now it's 65 degrees outside, but I also have a widget that shows the Celsius degree. It's 18 degrees right now. So I would say right now from like the Fahrenheit degrees of the upper 30s to the low 60s, I know what that corresponding Celsius temperature feels like. And let's just say my wife, Sarah, is really tired of hearing me respond to what the temperature is in Celsius. But it's something that uh, after this season, I'll be able to walk away knowing Celsius better. Does it have any quantifiable benefit? Absolutely not. But I've been having fun doing it. What prompted you to do that? Well, I watch the BBC World News. Uh, that's my news channel of choice. There's just way less noise compared to what we have on this side of the pond. Uh, and their weather is always in Celsius. Uh, so I was intrigued by uh, what those numbers meant. And I, I've always you know, known it existed and just kind of ignored it or done the math in my head. But seeing these North American forecasts that they do uh, made me think I could do something about that. Okay, wow. well, since you explained it, it makes a little more sense as to why it's a motivation for you. And that's great. So, <laughs> but excellent. You know, when I was in high school or no, maybe it's junior high, I can't remember. Back in my day, uh, there was a movement to move this country onto the metric system, which is not the same as Celsius, although that might have gone with it too. And we just thoroughly rejected it. It just didn't work. I remember learning about that in some textbooks. When oh, I was history? In school. Yeah. <laughs> but why didn't we do it? It makes so much more sense. But well, uh, why, didn't, why didn't Britain go on the euro instead of the pound? Why didn't they? Downton Abbey resident? Just, they want their own thing. We want our own number system. Go us, right? We're number one uh, in a lot of things. Last question before we uh, transition to some wisdom from the Reverend Dr. Phil. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about graduations and graduation ceremonies being canceled and other things happening. Uh, and the big headlines over the last couple of days have been about this digital uh, virtual, I guess you should say, graduation. The keynote speaker is Oprah Winfrey. So uh, my last kind of topic of discussion, I'm curious, can you remember who spoke at any of your commencements? Uh, and if you could have cherry-picked someone, who would it have been? Now, for me at uh, William & Mary, when I graduated, Robert Gates spoke. He did a pretty good job. Uh, when I was at Duke, I have no clue who spoke. I didn't even go to that graduation. Uh, but if I could handpick a graduation speaker, it would probably be someone uh, who was funny, uh, like a comedian or, or an actor with humor, because graduation speeches, I feel like, are very cliche uh, with a lot of, you know, kind of empty words that sound awesome, but I don't really know, like, you know, how much substance is behind them. So I'm curious, can you guys remember 
who spoke at yours and who would be the best speaker? Well, I actually got to choose um, our graduation um, commencement speaker for undergrad because I was the class president. Hey, maybe we need to change this, this podcast to the millennial, the man, and madam president. <laughs> sure, I was president once. <laughs> so the commencement speaker we had um, was actually um, an alumnus, and his name is Clifford Stanley. He is a retired general now. And so South Carolina State University is known for producing great individuals within the armed services, and in our circles, we call it the Black West Point. At one point, I think it's more now, we had 13 generals who had graduated from the university. So this is a, our ROTC program is really big. And so that, it was great to have- sound like um, Cora. You're starting to sound like Cora and her defense of North Georgia or whatever it was. I know, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that conversation that we had with Cora. But th this really is a thing. South Carolina State University commissions more Black officers than I don't remember if it's real silly, still really accurate, but we commission a lot of black officers. Do they have any more than any other HCBC or H H H HBU? Yes. Uh, see, you've always, okay, so I'm, I'm stopping on this for a minute because you've always sort of jabbed me and Brian for being competitive, but I hear a massive competitive streak coming out in you. Well, when it comes to like <laughs> the things that I represent, yeah, I'm not, I'm competitive over weird things. Like me and my sister, we're super competitive. We used to compete on who could brush their teeth the fastest. Like we would compete over everything. But I mean, I don't do that in public. <laughs> but yes, I'm very proud of South Carolina State University. That's awesome. But anyway, so he was our commencement speaker. He was excellent because, um, you know, he came from a very interesting um, background and experience and, you know, rose to the ranks of, um, you know, a general officer. I'm trying to remember what branch of service because it wasn't Army, I don't believe. But anyways, it was great. Any recollection from yours? Uh, Woodrow Wilson. Impressive. That's a joke. I actually graduated in the summer from JMU, so they just throw the some, you know, administrative assistant in the registration department for summer graduation. Uh, and there's nothing negative about administrative assistants in the registration registrar's office. BTSR, probably somebody, uh, a minister type. And then for my doctorate, I didn't go. So I, I'm not sure who gave that one either. Well, all things considered, I, I did really enjoy Robert Gates, you know, Secretary of Defense at my William & Mary graduation. But if I could pick the ultimate speaker, it would be Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks just gives me the warm and fuzzies. He's America's dad. He's, yes, playing Mr. Rogers, but I think embodies uh, that spirit in a sense. I think he'd do a great job as a commencement speaker if I had to pick someone. See, if I could choose someone, I think I would choose Stephen Colbert. That's a good choice, too. He's really uh, smart, really smart, but obviously really funny. I'm sure our listeners right now are, have a lot of options going through their heads for people that they might want to be a hypothetical commencement speaker. Uh, and I think about half of them are probably saying the man, Dr. Phil. So we go. as we wrap up this episode of the millennial, the man and Miss Crystal, uh, we're going to give the floor to the man, Dr. Phil, to leave us with some encouragement uh, and something to boost us out for the rest of our week. Bible verse I've been thinking about, I think 
many of us may struggle at times with seeing the end of this journey. I was talking to uh, one of our senior adults yesterday and, and I could tell that was a struggle of, you know, just like, when is this going to be over? And that's, by the way, why we named our daily prayer thing, you know, praying through the desert is because, you know, in a desert, you can't necessarily see when you're in the middle of it, you necessarily can't see when it's, when it ends, but there's the word of encouragement from Psalm 119.105 that essentially says, thy word is a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. The comfort I take in that, and it's, it's really maybe more of a, of a challenge than a comfort, but that God, what God promises to give us through his word is enough light to see the step in front of us. And God doesn't promise to, you know, shine a, a floodlight for miles and miles and miles or weeks and weeks and months, right? There's a lot of people trying to speculate what the next weeks and months are going to look like. And, and, and people should be trying to figure that out so that we can have contingency plans. But what God promises us is that he will light our path. And what he promises is if we follow him uh, on the path that he lights, it will all be well with us. We may not know what tomorrow holds again, but we know uh, who holds tomorrow. We know that if we're following his path, tomorrow will be okay. And so I just want to leave that, that word with you. Um, if you're like me, you're wanting to see down the road and you're wanting to see what the next months and even the next year is like. But what God promises us is, is wisdom and grace for the day. And so I just encourage you to... Um, plan where planning is is important and where the lord leads you to um, but also recognize that that this may be a daily journey of obedience and and faith and trust with that in mind crystal do you want to close this in prayer sure that would be great let us bow dear heavenly father um creator of all things we come to you first thanking you for your love, your kindness, your grace, and your mercy. We thank you for um, the very simple and tangible ways that we can see you. Um, we can see you through nature, through the um, smiles of um, loved ones, whether they're in our homes or that we're connecting with virtually. We thank you for this opportunity for us to be able to um, to be able to draw into your presence, to have an opportunity to lean and depend and submit uh, to you. We ask that during this um, time that you just draw us close to you, allowing us to one, feel your love, but also to be a representation of your love to um, those who may be without hope or who are experiencing um, challenges and difficulties. Um, as they manifest during this time and allow us to just be your hands and feet in the places that we um, encounter individuals. And we thank you for this opportunity for us to just have some lighthearted conversation and to experience some simple joys in an otherwise um, difficult situation. Please bless our families and our church and our community and our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to The Millennial, The Man, and Miss Crystal, a podcast ministry of Old Town Community Church. For more information on our church and other ministries, visit oldtown.cc. Services are available to watch online every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. Visit 
youtube.com. Search Old Town Community Church. This podcast and sermon audio are available on podcasting apps worldwide. Apple and Google Play. Search OTCC Podcasts.